0: Chapter four Town The Quest of the Silver Fleece by WEB Du Bois Recorded by AJ Hilton. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. John Taylor had written to a sister. He wanted information. "'very definite information about Toombs County Cotton, "'about its stores, its people, especially its people. "'He propounded a dozen questions, sharp, searching questions, "'and he wanted the answers to-morrow. "'Impossible,' thought Miss Taylor. "'He had calculated on her getting this letter yesterday, "'forgetting that their mail was fetched once a day from the town four miles away. "'Then, too, she did not know all these matters, and knew no one who did.' Did John think she had nothing else to do? And sighing at the thought of tomorrow's drudgery, she determined to consult Miss Smith in the morning. Miss Smith suggested a drive to town. Bless could take her in the top buggy after school, and she could consult some of the merchants and businessmen. She could then write her letter and mail it there. It would be but a day or so late getting to New York. Of course, said Miss Smith dryly, slowly folding her napkin. "'Of course, the only people here are the Cresswells.' "'Oh, yes,' said Miss Taylor invitingly. "'There was an allurement about this all-pervasive name. "'It held her by a growing fascination, "'and she was anxious for the older woman to amplify. "'Miss Smith, however, remained provokingly silent, "'so Miss Taylor essayed further. "'What sort of people are the Cresswells?' she asked. "'The old man's a fool, the young one a rascal, the girl a ninny.' Was Miss Smith's succinct and acid classification of the county's first family? Adding as she rose, But they own us body and soul. She hurried out of the dining room without further remark. Miss Smith was more patient with black folk than with white. The sun was hanging just above the tallest trees of the swamp when Miss Taylor, weary with the day's work, climbed into the buggy beside Bless. They wheeled comfortably down the road, leaving the somber swamp with its black green to the right and heading toward the gold-green of waving cotton fields. Miss Taylor lay back listlessly and drank the soft, warm air of the languorous spring. She thought of the golden sheen of the cotton and the cold, March winds of New England, of her brother who apparently noted nothing of leaves and winds and seasons, and of the mighty Cresswells, whom Miss Smith so evidently disliked. Suddenly, she became aware of her long silence, and the silence of the boy. "'Bless,' she began didactically, "'where are you from?' He glanced across at her and answered shortly, "'Georgia, ma'am,' and was silent. The girl tried again. "'Georgia is a large state,' tentatively. "'Yes, ma'am. "'Are you going back there when you finish?' "'I don't know. "'I think you ought to, and work for your people.' Yes, ma'am. She stopped, puzzled, and looked about. The old horse jogged lazily on and Bless switched him unavailingly. Somehow she had missed the way today. The veil hung thick, somber, impenetrable. Well, she had done her duty, and slowly she nestled back and watched the far-off green and golden radiates of the cotton. Bless, she said impulsively, shall I tell you of the golden fleece? He glanced at her again. Yes, am Please," he said. She settled herself almost luxuriously and began the story of Jason and the Argonauts. The boy remained silent, and when she had finished, he still sat silent, elbow on knee, absently flicking the jogging horse and staring ahead at the horizon. She looked at him doubtfully, with some disappointment that his hearing had apparently shared so little of the joy of her telling, and, too, there was mingled a vague sense of having lowered herself to too familiar fellowship with this this boy. She straightened herself instinctively and thought of some remark that would restore proper relations. She had not found it before, he said slowly, All yon is Jason's. What? she asked, puzzled. He pointed with one sweep of his long arm to the quivering mass of green gold foliage that swept from swamp to horizon. All yon golden fleece is Jason's now, he repeated. I thought it was... Cresswells, she said. That's what I mean. She suddenly understood that the story had sunk deeply. I am glad to hear you say that, she said methodically, for Jason was a brave adventurer. I thought he was a thief. Oh, well, those were other times. The Cresswells are thieves now, Miss Taylor answered sharply. Blessed i'm ashamed to hear you talk so of your neighbors simply because they are white but bless continued this is the black sea he said pointing to the dull cabins that crouched here and there upon the earth with the dark twinkling of their black folk darting out to see the strangers ride by despite herself miss taylor caught the allegory and half whispered lo the king himself as a black man almost rose from the tangled earth at their side He was tall and thin and somber-hued, with a carven face and thick gray hair. Your servant, mistress, he said with a sweeping bow as he strode toward the swamp. Miss Taylor stopped him, for he looked interesting and might answer some of her brother's questions. He turned back and stood regarding her with sorrowful eyes and ugly mouth. Do you live about here? i lived here a hundred years, he answered. She did not believe it. He might be seventy, eighty, or even 90. Indeed, there was about him that indefinable sense of age, some shadow of endless living, but a hundred seemed absurd. You know the people pretty well, then. I knows them all. I knows
1: most of them better than they knows themselves. I knows a heap of things in this world and in the next. This is a great cotton country? They don't raise no cotton now to what they used to when old General Cresswell first come from Carolina. Then it was a bale and a half to the acre on stocks that looked like young brushwood. That was cotton. You know the Cresswells then? Know them. I know them afore they was born. They are wealthy people? They rolls in money and they's quality too. No shoddy upstarts them, but bone the purple, lady, bone the purple. Old General Cresswell had niggers and acres no end back there in Carolina. He brung a part of em here, and his son, the father of this Colonel Cresswell, was born. The son, I knowed him well. He had a thousand niggers and ten thousand acres of the wall. Were they kind to their slaves? Oh yes, yes, ma'am. They was careful with their niggers and wouldn't let the drivers whip em much. And these Cresswells today, oh, they're quality, high-blooded folks. They's lost some land and niggers, but Lordy, nothing can buy the Cresswells. They naturally owns the world. Are they honest and kind? Oh yes, ma'am. They's good white folks. Good white folk. Oh, yes, ma'am, cause you knows white folks will be white folks. White
0: folks will be white folks, your servant, ma'am. And the swamp swallowed him. The boy's eyes followed him as he whipped up the horse. He's going to Elspeth's. Who is he? We just call him Old Pappy. He's a preacher, and some folks say a conjure man, too. And who is Elspeth? She lives in the swamp. She's a kind of witch, I reckon, like 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 medea yes only i don't know and he grew thoughtful the road turned now and far away to the eastward rose the first straggling cabins of the town creeping toward them down the road rolled a dark squat figure it grew and spread slowly on the horizon until it became a fat old black woman hooded and aproned with great round hips and massive bosom Her face was heavy and homely until she looked up and lifted the drooping cheeks, and then kindly old eyes beamed on the young teacher as she curtsied and cried. Good evening, honey. Good evening. You sure is pretty this evening. Why, Aunt Rachel, how are you? There was genuine pleasure in the girl's tone. Just tolerable, honey. Bless the Lord. Rheumatiz is kind of bad, and Aunt Rachel ain't so young as she used to be. And what brings you to town afoot this time of day? The face fell again to dull care, and the old eyes crept away. She fumbled with her cane. It's the boys again, honey. She returned solemnly. dey's good boys. They is good to de old mammy, but they's high strong, and they gets fightin and drinkin and and last Saturday night they got took up again. I's been to Judge Gray. I used to tote him on my knee, honey. I's been to him to plead him not to let him go to the gang cause you see honey and she stroked the girl's sleeve as if pleading with her too you see it done ruins boys to put him on the gang miss taylor tried hard to think of something comforting to say but words seemed inadequate to cheer the old soul but after a few moments they rode on leaving the kind face again beaming and dimpling and now the country town of tombsville lifted itself above the cotton and corn fringed with dirty straggling cabins of black folk the road swung past the iron watering trough turned sharply and after passing two or three pert cottages and a stately house old and faded opened into the wide square here pulsed the very life and being of the land Yonder great bales of cotton, yellow-white in its soiled sacking, piled in lofty, dusty mountains, lay listening for the train that twice a day ran out to the greater world. Roundabout tied to the well-gnawed hitching rails were rolls of mules, mules with backcloths, mules with saddles, mules hitched to long wagons, buggies, and rickety gigs, mules munching golden ears of corn, and mules drooping their heads in sorrowful memory of better days. Beyond the cotton warehouse smoked the chimneys of the seed mill and the cotton gin. A red livery stable faced them, and all about three sides of the square ran stores, big stores, and small, wide-windowed, narrow stores. Some had old steps above the worn clay sidewalks, and some were flush with the ground. All had a general sense of dilapidation, save one, the largest and most imposing, a three-story brick. This was Caldwell's emporium, and here Bless stopped and Miss Taylor entered mr caldwell himself hurried forward and the whole store clerks and customers stood at attention for miss taylor was yet new to the county she bought a few trifles and then approached her main business my brother wants some information about the county mr caldwell and i am only a teacher and do not know much about conditions here ah where do you teach asked mr caldwell He was certain he knew the teachers of all the white schools in the county. Miss Taylor told him he stiffened slightly but perceptibly like a man clicking the buckles of his ready armor and two townswomen who listened gradually turned their backs but remained near.
1: Yes, yes,
0: he said with uncomfortable haste. Any, uh, information, of course. Miss Taylor got out her notes. The leading landowners, she began sorting the notes searchingly. I should like to know something about them.
1: Well, Colonel Cresswell is, of course, our greatest landlord, a high-bred gentleman of the old school. He and his son, a worthy successor to their name, hold some 50,000 acres. They may be considered representative types. Then Mr. Maxwell has 10,000 acres and Mr. Tolliver a 1,000. Miss
0: Taylor wrote rapidly. And cotton? she asked.
1: We raise considerable cotton, but not nearly what we ought to. Nigger labor is too worthless.
0: Oh, the Negroes are not, then, very efficient. Efficient? snorted Mr. Caldwell. At last she had broached a phase of the problem upon which he could dilate with fervor. They're the lowest down, orneriest, begging
1: your pardon. Good-for-nothing loafers you ever heard of. Why, we just have
0: to carry them and care for them like children. Look yonder. He pointed across the square to the courthouse. It was an old square brick and stucco building, somber and stilted and very dirty. Out of it filed a stream of men, some black and shackled, some white and swaggering and liberal with tobacco juice, some white and shaven and stiff. "'Court's just out,' pursued Mr. Caldwell. "'And them
1: niggers had just been sent to the gang, young ones too, educated but good for
0: nothing. They're all that way.' Miss Taylor looked up, a little puzzled, and became aware of a battery of eyes and ears. Everybody seemed craning and listening, and she felt a sudden embarrassment and a sense of half-veiled hostility in the air. With one or two further perfunctory questions and a hasty expression of thanks, she escaped into the air. The whole square seemed loafing and lolling. The white world perched on stoops and chairs in doorways and windows— the black world filtering down from doorways to sidewalk and curb the hot dusty quadrangles stretched in dreary deadness toward the temple of the town as if doing obeisance to the courthouse down the courthouse steps the sheriff with winchester on shoulder was bringing the last prisoner a curly-headed boy with golden face and big brown frightened eyes it's one of the duns boys said bless he's drunk again and they say he's been stealing i expect he was hungry and then wheeled out of the square. Miss Taylor was tired and the hastily scribbled letter which she dropped into the post in passing was not as clearly expressed as she could wish. A great-voiced giant, brown and bearded, drove past them, roaring a hymn. He greeted Bless with a comprehensive wave of the hand. I guess Tyler has been paid off, said Bless, but Miss Taylor was too disgusted to answer. Further on, they overtook a tall, young yellow boy walking awkwardly beside a handsome, bold-faced girl. Two white men came riding by. One leered at the girl, and she laughed back, while the yellow boy strode sullenly ahead. As the two white riders approached the buggy, one said to the other, Who's that nigger with? One of them nigger teachers. Well, they'll stop this damn riding around, or they'll hear something. And they rode slowly by. Miss Taylor felt rather than heard their words, and she was uncomfortable. The sun fell fast, the long shadows of the swamp swept soft coolness on the red road. Then afar in front a curled cloud of white dust arose, and out of it came the sound of galloping horses. "'Who's this?' asked Miss Taylor. "'The Cresswells, I think. They usually ride to town about this time.' but already Miss Taylor had described the brown and tawny sides of the speeding horses. Good gracious, she thought, the Cresswells, and with it came a sudden desire not to meet them just then. She glanced toward the swamp. The sun was sifting blood-red lances through the trees. A little wagon road entered the wood and disappeared. Miss Taylor saw it. Let's see the sunset in the swamp, she said suddenly. On came the galloping horses, Bless looked up in surprise, then silently turned into the swamp. The horses flew by, their hoofbeats dying in the distance. A dark green silence lay about them, lit by mighty crimson glories beyond. Miss Taylor leaned back and watched it dreamily till a sense of oppression grew on her. The sun was sinking fast. Where does this road come out? she asked at last. It doesn't come out. Where does it go? It goes to Elspeth's. Why? We must turn back immediately, I thought, but Bless was already turning. They were approaching the main road again, when there came a fluttering as of a great bird beating its wings amid the forest. Then a girl, lithe, dark, brown, and tall, leaped lightly into the path with greetings on her lips for Bless. At the sight of the lady, she drew suddenly back and stood motionless regarding Miss Taylor, searching her with wide, black, liquid eyes. Miss Taylor was a little startled. Good evening, she said, straightening herself. The girl was still silent and the horse stopped, one tense moment pulsed through all the swamp. Then the girl, still motionless, still looking Miss Taylor through and through, said with slow deliberateness, I hate you. The teacher and Miss Taylor strove to rebuke this unconventional greeting, but the woman in her spoke first and asked almost before she knew it, Why? End of chapter 4